Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Bulls Beat Podcast Show, the Chicago Bulls Podcast. Welcome back to the Bulls Beat Bulls fans. Doug Tonis here with you discussing our Chicago Bulls, and we're, I don't know, what, two and a half weeks away from the draft, and so I'm going to give you my NBA draft podcast. So this will probably be the most NBA draft-focused podcast that I do. I was debating about whether to save it for another week or two, but I've been spending a lot of the week doing NBA draft research, and I feel like I'm going to get dumber as uh, the weeks go by rather than smarter, so I'll, I'll drop it now. So I'm going to give you my top 10 NBA draft picks this year of the guys I like. We're going to go in reverse order and so as I go through these guys, there might be a couple guys the Bulls might consider that are further down in the draft based on how things go. But I think we'll probably end up with someone in this grouping. I don't think the Bulls are going to trade down because I just don't think there's going to be a lot of people who are willing to trade up. And I think that is going to limit their possibilities. There's also not a lot of teams in this draft with multiple picks. And there's no one with multiple picks that's really in a, a position that you'd want to trade down for. I don't see a team giving us a 2021 pick to trade up in 2020, given the quality of talent that appears to be on the board. Maybe if there's someone that falls and someone is just totally in love with him, maybe there's a team in love with Lamella Ball if he falls to four. Maybe there's a team that's in love with Denny Avija if he falls to four. Or James Wiseman, we'll see how that goes. But here are my top 10 picks. So number 10, Aaron Neesmith. Aaron Neesmith was a tremendous shooter, uh, sophomore. Wasn't quite as good in his freshman year, actually quite a bit worse, but in his sophomore season, uh, over 50% from the field, over four makes per game. Limited sample size in terms of number of games, but the total number of shots he put up was still uh, very high. Takes a very high de- degree of difficulty in uh, three-point shots, not just doing you know, catch-and-shoots, uh, does catch and shoots off screens, turn around, catch and shoots, running across the baseline, losing guys, catching the pat- ball on the go, turning, stopping, shooting, firing, scoring. Uh, I think that's going to translate. Reminds me of Kyle Korver running around screens out there. He's decent athlete, not an amazing athlete, but decent athlete. He's got really good size. I think he's going to be a, a very strong player in the NBA. I don't think he has star potential really, and that's because he's not a shot creator. He doesn't have quite the athleticism to be off a dribble player, doesn't have quite the handle to be a, a, off a dribble player, uh, not necessarily a creator for others. And so maybe he could improve some of those areas, always a possibility that he could become more of a shot creator. But just the fact that he can create so much defensive attention while not having the ball in his hands makes him an ideal fit for any NBA franchise. The shooting is going to translate to any NBA franchise. I don't think he's going to hurt you on defense like Kyle Korver may have for much of his career. So if you imagine someone with Kyle Korver's offensive potential, uh, except also being a, a quality defender, maybe not a stopper, but like a quality defender, that's where I think Aaron Neesmith is going to be. Now, some of the things that might be a little bit concerning Played an out-of-conference schedule, didn't play that many games. Was his shooting really this good, or was he just on a hot stretch? It's you know hard to say some of those things, but I think he's going to be a quality starting caliber NBA player. Just the ceiling isn't off the charts, and that's why I think he gets pushed back a little bit and isn't in that you know top four or five range of guys we would consider. If he was a little bit better athlete, a little bit better shot creator, you could maybe see him move up to that range where you feel like he's got some potential uh, to have great scoring ability overall instead of just being uh, a shooter. But I love guys who don't need the ball in their hand to make a big impact. And with the Bulls already having Kobe White and Zach Levine, they could really use a guy who's going to make a big impact without the ball in his hands. And Aaron Lee Smith could be that type of guy. Don't think I would necessarily take him at four, but I do think he is a great player. And if we traded down, he would be one of the guys I'd be really interested in targeting just because I think he's somewhat unique. There's not a lot of guys who are going to kill it off uh, shooting 
and especially off those turnarounds coming off screens and things like that. Those, those are really difficult threes, and you don't see a lot of guys making those. A lot of these guys who are good shooters, they maybe have a step back, they maybe have uh, catch-and-shoots, but they don't really, you know, these really hard off-the-ball shooters. I think that's a pretty rare trait, and love Aaron D. Smith doing it. Tyrese Halliburton, number nine. And so when I think of Halliburton, uh, film sesh by the Hardwood Herald, one of the, my favorite video sites when I was reviewing all these different guys, uh, they they noted he is a glue guy and like how much is a team going to pay? How high will they draft a guy who maybe projects as a glue guy? He has good court vision. He's a good shooter. Uh, he's you know maybe an okay athlete. Uh, he's got great length, long, lanky arms. Kind of reminds me of Tayshawn Prince, uh, though smaller. Um, but doesn't quite have the athleticism. And the thing about his shot to me is watching him is his shot. He's got this very forward release on his shot. And so when he does that, I think he, he can be a good catch-and-shoot player. But that low forward release, I think it's going to get blocked pretty easily. I think he's going to really never be an off-the-dribble shooter. Uh, I don't think he's going to have this like quick shot ability where he can come off screens and shoot. So his, his shooting was good, but I think it doesn't project out to be very valuable in the long term with the way his, his form is on his shot. And I think that kind of limits him a little bit. Defensively, very fundamentally sound, good team defender, very smart defender. Uh, like I said, good length. He's going to be able to make an impact on that. He's got good vision, makes smart decisions, uh, makes good passes. He's going to be good out of the pick and roll. I don't think he's going to be able to create really an isolation, but I think off the pick and roll, he's going to make good reads. He's going to be able to make lobs. He's going to be able to do all the things you need to do. Uh, the one concern I have with him is without that athleticism and without having a great handle, is not a really great ball handler. Uh, you just kind of wonder, is he be able, going to be able to utilize all of his strengths out there? So if you take a guy who's a good shooter but doesn't have a step back or something like that, probably not going to be able to utilize that off the dribble at all. You take a guy who's a good passer, but if he can't really get guys open because he doesn't have that burst, he doesn't have the ball handling, then some of that passing is going to be limited. Uh, so for me, I think he's also probably a starting caliber player. He's got a lot of strengths, can do a lot of things. I kind of view him as like a Malcolm Brogdon upside, a guy who's going to give you really good percentages like all around the board, but he's not going to create his own shot, not going to do everything you need to, you know, probably limited to starting caliber player. I've got him at number nine. And then number eight, and to me, a somewhat similar player, I've got Killian Hayes. Killian Hayes, also a good defender, a very young player, played in Europe, playing in pro leagues probably a little bit higher level of competition. I, I mean, I don't know how good the German league is, played in Euro Cup a little. Uh, the thing is about Killian Hayes, his shot, it looks okay. Uh, his percentages weren't so good. He had a good Euro Cup percentage, but uh, in, in his main uh, German league, didn't have a great three-point percentage, slightly under 30%. But his shot, to me, looks like something I could see developing well in the future. And he does shoot compared to Halliburton. He shoots a tougher array of shots, shoots a lot more step back, shoots a lot more off the dribble. And so uh, when I look at Halliburton's percentages, I actually feel like Hayes probably projects as a better shooter due to his form and due to the types of shots that he's shooting. Uh, he's an excellent passer. He has good court vision. Uh, needs to rein it in a little bit, can be turnover prone as well. So one of these guys who makes a lot of highlight passes, but also makes a lot of highlight misses. But I think that that vision is there and that's going to translate and he's going to uh, eventually have a good shot to become a very good player. And much like Halliburton, the thing that really kind of limits him here to me is his athleticism, not a great uh, burst athlete, not someone who's destroying the European connection, uh, competition with his athleticism and so when he gets to the NBA is he going to be able to make all of these things he can do in Europe count in the NBA is he still going to be able to get these shots off is he going to be able to make these passes is he going to be able to create enough separation off the bounce uh, a little bit of a left-handed dribbler right now he's a lefty 
I'm not so concerned with that. I, like I said, the athleticism is little, probably the one thing that worries me a little bit. He's got good size, though, 6'5". You know, he's going to be a, a, a good-sized point guard. So I think he'll be solid all around, um, good team defender. I think someone who's going to fit in kind of very similar to Halliburton. I've got him a notch higher because I believe in his shooting potential while I don't really believe in uh, Halliburton's shooting potential, except as a catch-and-shoot shooter. And I think Hayes is going to have a little bit more potential to create off the dribble. Athleticism will probably limit him from being a star, but I think he'll be a solid player, you know, maybe starter, maybe rotation player um, type of guy. Next on the list, number seven, Isaac Okoro. And Okoro is an elite defender. Uh, it's really the question here is can he develop any offense? If he can, his ceiling is very high. He's got the size. He's got the athleticism. Uh, he's got everything he needs to one day just be an elite player on the floor. The problem is if he doesn't develop some of this offense, if he doesn't develop some more skills, if he doesn't improve his handle, uh, this guy's just Ronnie Brewer out there. He's a, he's a straight line driver. Uh, he's only a so-so passer, only a so-so ball handler. Uh, he's a good transition player, good cutter, a great defender, just really good fundamentally, really good athletically, uh, does everything that you need to do. I think he's going to be a really good team player. Uh, the real thing is, can he become a shooter? Can he develop some more offensive skills? If he can, watch out. This guy could just be a stud. But he is a long way from doing those things. And when you take a guy like this, you're really hoping a lot of stuff develops. But there's not necessarily a lot of reason to be confident that it will. You know, compared to other guys, he's, he's pretty immature in his offensive package right now. And low volume score in the NCAA. So you're, you're taking a gamble here that you're just going to end up drafting a one-way defensive player. And, you know, if you do, yeah, maybe that's fine. I think he'll still be a rotation player for you. But now what is he giving you that Chris Dunn doesn't give you if he doesn't develop some type of better offense here? Or what is he giving you that Shaq Harrison doesn't give you? I mean, I guess a little bit more size. Uh, but, you know, still, you want to get a lot more out of that. Uh, so a lot of potential there, but a lot of risk that he's not going to develop that game. And you're just going to, like I said, be drafting someone like the next Ronnie Brewer on your team. Number six, and maybe my most controversial pick uh, in my top 10, LaMelo Ball. And LaMelo Ball is as high as number one on some people's mock drafts. I have him at number six. And here's the problem I have with LaMelo Ball. One, I don't know that I buy into his attitude uh, as a player. Already rumors that he's not doing well in interviews with NBA teams. Uh, just questionable decision-making for this guy. He had a weird, weird uh, childhood being hothoused. Uh, for the NBA with an outspoken father. Not sure I buy into that. But the real problem is not a good shooter, not good shooting form, not a great finisher at the rim. This is a guy whose offensive package uh, relies entirely on elite ball handling, uh, great passing, good court vision. He's got good size, but he's not an elite athlete. And so like some of these other guys, how is that going to translate to the next level? Now, unlike these other guys, LaMelo Ball is a tremendous ball handler. And I think ball handling as a point guard actually makes you more athletic than real athleticism does. Because if you think about if I was trying to run past you and you were more athletic than me, but you weren't allowed to grab me and stop me. You weren't allowed to hold me. You just had to beat me to the spot. If I didn't have to carry a basketball, I could probably get around a guy who's three times as fast as me if I wasn't dribbling a ball. Because it's just you, you can't beat a guy to the spot going laterally when someone knows where they're going. It's just too easy to fool them. The thing that makes that really difficult is handling a basketball and dribbling a basketball while you're trying to do that. And so a guy who has an elite basketball handle and can just have the ball on a string and move it around really quickly and the mellow ball can do those things is going to play with more athleticism than his actual athleticism. And so for that, I love, love, love Lonzo Ball. 
and I like the court vision. I like what he does. The thing is, his form is completely jacked up. He has to bring it down to nothing, start over, and learn how to shoot. And I just think, who is the guy who has done that successfully and ever had a good shot? And can a point guard survive at this day and age in the NBA without a good shot? How good do they have to be in order to do that? I just think it's a really tough thing to ask a point guard to do. So is he the next Ricky Rubio? Like that's kind of the guy I feel like he is at this point. Like Ricky Rubio is not a good shooter. He's a great, great ball handler. He's a great passing vision guy. And he's a solid defender, but he's only a so-so athlete. And he's a guy who can't really shoot. And LaMelo Ball, just it just strikes me as that type of guy. And so when I think of that, I'm like, who is the upside comparison if LaMelo Ball doesn't learn to be a shooter or a scorer? And it's like, I can't come up with anyone better than Ricky Rubio uh, that he, he translates into. And I just have so little confidence in his ability to improve those things because they just feel like things that take a huge amount of effort to improve. And his starting point is so bad. And so he's got these uh, tremendous strengths. He has these strengths that could make him have this very sky high potential. But these weaknesses, I don't think should be overlooked. I think they're bigger and more difficult to improve than other guys' weaknesses. And so for that, I've got him down as low as number six and Maybe he'll prove me wrong and burn me, but that's where I've got him. Number five, Obi Toppin. Uh, the thing that only thing that concerns me at Obi Toppin is he's 22 and a half already, which is just super old for a guy in the draft. I mean, this is this is like senior aged, and so you wonder how much better he can be. Also, I'm not sure that his level of competition was very high. If he was this type of player at 19, I think he might be the number one player in the draft. But he's not. He's 22 and a half, and he didn't play against stud competition. That said, this is a guy who looks like Amari Stoudemire out there to me. Like, that's my comparison. He's athletic. He's got size. He's a great dunker. And unlike Stoudemire, who had a good mid-range jumper, this is a guy with a three. He's going to be able to shoot threes. He's a, he's a guy who can uh, shoot the long ball. He's going to be able to attack closeouts like a madman when people go after him. Uh, and even though he doesn't have great ball handling, you've got to respect his shot. He's going to be able to kill you from three if you don't. And then if you jump out at him, he's going to just take it right to the rack and dunk all over you. Uh, I think he's going to be great in transition. He's an okay passer. I think he just has a really nice offensive package. So the concern, again, is the age. If he was younger, this would be a no-doubt top player. But given the questions around these other guys, what he's already shown me just feels like it's good enough that he's going to be good. Defensively, a lot of complaints about him, but I just, I just don't know. Like, I think his athleticism is good enough that he's got decent defensive potential, and I think he's going to get better over time. I don't think he's going to be a stud defender, but because he has the power forward package, because he can shoot and because he can uh, take the ball to the hole and dunk and he can attack those closeouts and can do all these things you want out of a modern power forward, and he's not going to have to play the center. He's not going to have to be a rim protector. He's not going to have to be the last line of defense. I kind of buy into him improving defensively as time goes on. And so I've got Obi Toppin, number five. Again, age being the big concern. Would love, love, love him if he was 19. I very rarely like older players, but I'm still going to go with Toppin just because I feel you know, what he's shown me just seems so compelling. And number four, this is a guy who's moved up my, my charts after watching him the second and third time, Onyeka Okongwu. At first, I was not a big fan of Okamu because I thought, man, this guy has so little going for him on the offensive end. But then I looked into his numbers, and despite the fact that this guy is not shooting, he's actually got a tremendous PER. He's got a tremendous amount of uh, efficiency on offense. He's giving you a lot of points. He's a great finisher. He's not just a dunker. He's got good finesse. He's got decent post moves. 
The problem with the combo, and this is where he's going to have to get better, he's going to have to learn how to shoot. He didn't have a jumper. He was 5 of 22 from mid-range this season. His free throw percentage was okay. Maybe he projects out either 6'9 or 6'10. I don't know what his standing reach is. But it's like, is he going to be a center? And that's the problem with the combo for me. If this guy is a power forward, he absolutely needs to develop some type of jumper. You can't be a power forward anymore and not have any type of jumper. He could be a center, but now you're playing with a really small center. And, you know, is that going to give you this tremendous advantage? Like, I think a combo might be very, very decent at center, you know, but I'm thinking, like, what does he give me that Wendell Carter doesn't? Probably a little bit more athleticism. Maybe he's a little bit better shot blocker. Definitely doesn't seem to be as much of a shooter or passer at this point, though. Carter hasn't been able to stay healthy and hasn't really delivered on what we thought he would be in a draft. Uh, Akamu is a rare athlete, uh, just a great shot blocker. Need, would need to get a lot stronger if he's going to play center right now, and so that's the big thing. He either needs to add a lot of strength, and he needs to add a jumper, and then he's going to be a tremendous, uh, then he could be either a center or he could be a power forward. But right now, he's a little bit in between, but that athleticism, the finishing skill, and uh, the defensive ability to help out, I, I think he's got a lot of potential. So it's just, are you getting Blake Griffin if everything goes great? Are you getting Clint Capella if things go poorly? Or are you getting Tyrus Thomas if it goes really, really poorly? Yeah, that's kind of kind of my thought overall on Akamu. So I've moved him up to number four, a little bit questionable. I think he, he's got a lot of ceiling, which is why I put him up there. But his floor, probably a little bit lower than maybe a couple of the guys I had below him. And that's really kind of what you're, what you're aiming at with this draft is you've got some of these guys like Halberton, Hayes, and Neesmith to me who have like really high floors, but they don't have really high ceilings. Okamu is a guy who I think he has a very high ceiling, but his floor is not as high as some of these other guys that I have behind him. But I think when you're where the Bulls are, you've got to draft for star power. You have to uh, take some chances. You have to hope a guy's going to pan out. You're going to have to develop him. You're going to have to let him uh, learn some of these skills and give him uh, the opportunity to do that. And so with that, I, I still have Nyeke at number four because of that upside. And number three, I've got Denny Avija. He's sort of the jack of all trades. And just watching him, to me, he looks really smooth. He looks like he's going to be a good player on both ends. The one thing that just stands out to me, though, is I try looking at comparisons for guys, and I'm like, who is the comparison of the guy that is like Avija in the league? And I can't really come up with one. And that gives me a little bit of pause because if I can't come up with, like, who is this guy? And, like, Danilo Gallinari is, like, the best comparison I can come up with. And then I think, man, Danilo Gallinari is not so great. You know, Luka Doncic is maybe the other one. And I, I don't want to say Luka because, you know, Luka was so special and I just don't think he's going to be this type of uh, special. But he's, he's a solid ball handler. I, watching him shoot, I believe, I'm a believer in his shot. I think it's going to get better. I think he's going to improve. He can shoot step backs. He's got, you know, good crossover dribble. I, I think he's going to be able to generate shots on the next level. I think he's going to be a big playmaker. He's going to be able to uh, create for others. He's going to be able to create for himself. He's going to be able to block shots. He's going to be versatile defensively. The only question to me is, is he elite at anything? So if he turns out to be just a good enough ball handler and gets his shooting up a little bit, I could see him making just a tremendous impact on the game. But if he's not able to do those things, he's a guy to me also who could just be like, in the end, he's not quite good enough at anything. Or he's just like a so-so player. Just a guy. Just a guy. You know, I think that there's a chance with that for him. So to me, like skill-wise, I thought he was, he was pretty advanced compared to some of these other guys. And I think he's got... Uh, the athletic package in the body that you know, with that level of skill advancement, he's got some pretty high potential, but he's not quite there in almost any of his skills. He just needs to improve everything, but everything just by a little bit. And so I think that that makes him somewhat of an interesting guy. Number two on my list, James Wiseman. 
he was a guy many viewed as the top prospect coming into the college season, only played a few games before getting suspended for illegal benefits. And I would love to go off on a rant about illegal benefits in the NCAA right now, but I won't because we don't have that much time. James Wiseman, though, he has got the body you want as a center. He is an athletic beast. I think his wingspan is like 7'6". Uh, he's 7'1". He's giving a great standing reach. This guy is going to be able to block shots without jumping, basically. This guy is just plays super high above the rim when he wants to jump. Uh, he has to load up a little bit going up there, but he's a great athlete. And so if everything works out with him, you're getting Joel Embiid. If it doesn't, you're getting DeAndre Jordan or Andre Drummond. This guy's going to be a block, uh, shot-blocking beast. He's going to be a legit center. He's going to have a, a size and athletic advantage against virtually everyone he plays against. And I think that's a, one of those things where he's got all the skills he needs to be a center. Yeah, he's not a great shooter. You don't need to be a great shooter if you're a center, though. You need to be a great shooter now if you're a power forward, but not a center. He's going to be able to anchor a defense. He's going to scare people away while he's down there. He's going to be able to rebound for you. He's going to be able to block shots. He's going to have that uh, physical advantage uh, almost every night against the guys he plays against. So I, I love what he can do there. He had very high potential. We didn't get to see a whole lot of him, but I think if he was coming out of high school, he was a guy who would be considered at the top of this draft if we were back allowing high schoolers. And because I just didn't see anyone else blow me away, I'm going to have to just take some assumptions about what James Wiseman, who was amazing in his three games against somewhat poor competition, I'm going to have to take some guesses about what he would have done if he got to play more. And like I said, they're only guesses. We just don't know. But given what I do know about everyone else, I'm going to go with James Wiseman, number two. And I really thought significantly about putting him number one. And the only reason I didn't is I just don't think centers are that valuable anymore. And I think that was the one thing that held me off on James Wiseman at number one. But otherwise, I think you could definitely make a case for him. I'd be thrilled if the Bulls got Wiseman, even if they now have to make some other moves, move Wendell Carter, move Gafford, something else. I don't know what it is. I'd be happy to take James Wiseman if he falls to us. And my number one pick, no surprise to anyone at this point because there's no way he'd be number 11 is Anthony Edwards. And so watching Anthony Edwards, the biggest concern to me is he had kind of a low overall field goal percentage, just a shade above 40%. And it really comes down because this dude just jacked step back threes up like crazy and was not really that good at him. And maybe it was just the lack of other offensive options around him. Maybe it was the total offensive load that this guy needed to carry that he felt he needed to take these shots. But this is a guy who looks like the next great scoring guard to me. All of the pieces are there watching him on film. He's got all the moves you need. He's a good ball handler. He's super athletic. He's super strong. He's got all the size. He's got everything you want to be that next great guy. He does need to improve his uh, three-point stroke, but just watching him, I actually think that it can happen. And I think I believe in his shot going forward, but I think he's going to be able to create shots. I think he's going to dominate guys athletically. I think he's going to be a guy who can be a dominant scorer on the next level at the NBA. And from the guard spot, the wing spot, Dominant wings, I think that's what you need. Is he James Harden? Is he Dwayne Wade? Or is he just Justice Winslow if things fail? I guess maybe that is you know, the downside here. If like, for whatever reason, he's just not a good enough, uh, good enough shooter or scorer like, and, and just can't quite put it together against the NBA competition, maybe he's, he's not the player, I think. But he was a guy who was highly touted going in, and he looks highly touted coming out to me. He's got the full package and maybe wasn't quite as consistently as you'd like to see on the defensive end uh, due to effort, but his athleticism, he clearly has high defensive potential, and if he's not carrying the scoring load and using all his energy on the offensive end, I think you're going to probably see better effort out of him on that end of the floor at the next level. So uh, I like Anthony Edwards, number one overall. I would be thrilled if by some miracle this guy lands or falls to the Bulls. I don't expect that to actually happen, but we'll see where things go uh, for the draft. So that is my top 10 NBA draft picks, and I will talk to you guys next week.